This is Undisciplined. I'm Shoshana Buxbaum. During the colonial period, Europeans brought diseases like smallpox and measles to the Americas, devastating the native population in the process. But new research illuminates the role that the slave trade played in bringing new pathogens to Mexico. Here's how. Scientists collected ancient DNA from the teeth of people buried during the colonial era in and around Mexico City. They were then able to reconstruct a genome of two viruses, hepatitis B and a strain of parvovirus. After comparing these genotypes to other samples, they were able to determine they originated in Africa. To help us better understand this fascinating research, I'll be speaking with two co-authors of the study, which was recently published in the journal eLife. Maria Avila Arcos is an assistant professor and principal investigator at the International Laboratory for Human Genome Research at the Universidad Nacional Autónoma de México. Axel Guzmán Solis is a former student there at the International Laboratory for Human Genome Research, and he is currently a PhD student at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. Maria Avila Arcos and Alex Guzmán Solis, thank you so much for being here. Thank you, Shoshana. My pleasure. Thank you for inviting us. To start off, um, can you give me an overview of how the slave trade brought new viruses to what is now Mexico? Well, first of all, we um, I think it had never been tied uh, the, the arrival of new viruses. It had it hadn't been tied to Africans before, um, at least in Mexico. So we had this like common knowledge uh, here in Mexico when studying the colonization process, the European colonization, that um, the Europeans brought a lot of diseases, right? Uh, measles, smallpox, mumps, and even some other diseases that we don't know exactly what the infectious agent was, like the coccolistli uh, disease. But um, it hadn't been tied... Um, specifically to the transatlantic slave trade. But of course it makes sense uh, because it was uh, it involved the arrival of hundreds of thousands of people under very inhumane conditions um, to, the, to the new Spain. So uh, now that we did this study, we, we say like, yeah, well, it, it makes sense that the slave trade also contributed to the arrival of new pathogens to new Spain. Yeah. And so, I mean, part of the transatlantic slave trade is that sort of the passage and having people packed on these boats coming over to the Americas. How did that, like the way that slaves were transported, how did that play a role in transmitting viruses either like on the way over or once they arrived? So yeah, during the transportation of these individuals, uh, it was done during very unhealthy conditions. And even though we like to believe that humans are different, uh, we're all we're, we're at the end animals. So basically, the interaction of all these people in this very unhealthy and bad condition uh, favor the the uh, uh, transmission of different viruses. Let's just remember that these individuals were also coming from different uh, populations in Africa. So they were uh, introducing between each other different pathogens. And once arrived to the Americas, uh, there was an exchange also with uh, American pathogens. So basically, we don't know a lot about like all this process that happened. Mm-hmm. 
and that's one of the goals that we that that, that we wanted to understand what was the viral diversity in the in this important period of, of Mexico, especially because it, it's also uh, this process ended up in a, a massive population collapse that basically shaped the population that uh, exists right now in the Americas. Yeah, and so you were able to, through this research, you were able to trace two specific viruses here, um, hepatitis B and the B19 parvovirus. I know it's very complicated how you, you know, set up the genome and compare it, but uh, Maria, maybe you want to take this of how you are able to take this really ancient um, DNA that you collected and how you can compare that to say like, okay, this, this, this likely came from Africa. So the first thing to consider is that recovering uh, ancient DNA from, um, from remains, from archaeological remains, it's a very challenging process. But um, the pathogens in those teeth were, they're still uh, at lower concentrations, right? The presence is very, very limited. So there's, it's a big challenge because we have some, so little DNA in there that we have to implement some uh, molecular techniques to kind of fish out that DNA that we're interested in. So the first thing that we had to do was to develop a method to enrich that viral uh, DNA fraction. And once we enriched that and we had enough to cover the genome, we used our, our genomes and compared to the reference databases where uh, viral sequences from other places are available. So we were able to see to which of those sequences in the databases our reconstructed genome was most uh, similar to. And we found out that it was uh, more similar to other uh, sequences from Africans or Africans living elsewhere. Yeah, and it's so interesting because a lot of um, this research and other genomic research, it relies upon um, public databases and having this large collection of genomic information that you can compare even ancient samples across. Yeah, I would like to say, uh, for example, in the case of hepatitis B virus, uh, this is similar to a strain that has been recovered only, uh, to my knowledge, uh, only from African individuals in Belgium. Hmm. So it has never been found in the Americas. Uh, so basically, it, uh, this, this virus has, ha, have come from somewhere. Uh, and in the case of the parvovirus, this genotype tree, it's a... Uh, it's kind of uh, not frequent in North America, based in uh, studies from the USA. Uh, but we actually did some, because as you mentioned before, uh, kind of uh, some studies reported something similar based on other sequences, but we also uh, checked for the human uh, DNA. So what we did is uh, to uh, infer the genetic ancestry of these individuals, and they were actually uh, Africans uh, in the case of the uh, individuals from one of the archaeological sites that was a hospital. And this hospital was treating uh, different epidemics during the colonial period, uh, even though it was supposed to be uh, an indigenous hospital. Yeah, so how, why is it so critical to get a, a fuller picture of what viruses were really circulating about 500 years ago? Like, why is it so important to understand what viruses um, the native population and also the African population brought as slaves in Mexico during that time, what viruses 
had been brought over and what they were up against? Um, well, we know, I guess the main reason is we know that the newly introduced pathogens, uh, which included viruses, uh, caused like severe epidemics in the native population, right? Um, so there are some estimations that um, from like 1 million people, uh, native people who lived there before the arrival, it dropped soon after the colonization to like uh, uh, some hundred thousand. So it was a massive population um, decimation. So I guess it's important because we want to learn what were the, the circulating viruses, what was their role in these epidemics, uh, how death, like why they were so deadly. Was it only because the native population, uh, they were immunologically naive, like never exposed to these viruses before, and that's why they didn't have immunity and caused so much harm. Um, yeah, basically learning about the pathogenicity of these, uh, these strains would tell us something about their biology as well. So it's not only learning about the past, we can also add that knowledge to present-day questions uh, related to virus evolution. Yeah, and I mean, I think as you had pointed to before, we often think about like it being Europeans themselves bringing these viruses over to the Americas. So it's interesting to think about that it's, there's a bunch of different sources of viruses. It's also coming from the enslaved people that Europeans brought as well. Um, so is it fair to say that there was that there may be even more viruses or other types of diseases that were brought over that we haven't even been able to identify yet? I actually think that that's the case uh, because uh, even though we like uh, we obtained DNA from two different collections and the collection from the hospital uh, is well characteri characterized as being a, a, an epidemic context based on archaeological uh, data. Mm -hmm. The mortality rate of these hepatitis B and parvovirus uh, are, are kind of uh, low. So we don't believe that these viruses actually kill all the all, all these people, uh, all, all these persons that were uh, found in, in, in these uh, mass burials. So probably there were another viruses, but with the current technology, we are able to obtain DNA, even though it's, it's complicated. But a lot of human pathogens are also uh, RNA viruses. And to date, it's, uh, it's impossible to recover uh, RNA from uh, bones, as old as, as the bones that we were working with. So basically, we will not be able to, to find uh, RNA viruses that are, kind of, are very important. Uh, some cases of RNA viruses are like Ebola, influenza, uh, all the coronaviruses. So we are just watching for the DNA. And also, uh, probably some viruses conserve better than others. So it's just one step to understand uh, what was the situation uh, during this time. But right now we have uh, more technology to ask again these questions that have been in, 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 in our culture for centuries. Yeah, yeah. And so this research is part of this larger, uh, relatively new field of paleovirology. Can you tell us a little bit about what the big questions that the field in general is trying to answer um, by yourself and other researchers in this field for listeners who may not be like, what is paleovirology? Like, I've never heard of this, you know, subset before. Yeah. 
so actually I had never heard of paleobiology before I started this project either. Um, it was a bit uh, like a surprise for us when we found these viruses. But um, by collaborating with Daniel Blanco, who is the other um, senior author on this paper, he himself considered um, his uh, research field being paleovirology. But what he did was reconstructing ancient viral genomes using present-day sequences. So our genomes, like human genomes and other animals, have like these scars of past viral infections. So what he would do was take those scars and try to reconstruct the ancient virus that infected our ancestors. And before ancient DNA even came into place, the field of paleovirology, that's what it did, right? Uh, reconstructing ancient viruses but using present-day sequences. But now with ancient DNA, what we are trying to do is have like this window into the past and recover viral pathogens or viral sequences from very ancient uh, sources. And these sources can be human teeth, bones, or even like eyes, cores, mummy tissues. And basically we want to learn about the evolution of these viruses by sampling these like times, uh, these time points in the past. Yeah. And so you said before this research project, you hadn't you didn't know about paleovirology. What what were the types of projects that you were working on before in your lab? I was I was mostly interested in the endogenous DNA. That's like the human fraction um, to learn about uh, pre-Hispanic civilizations, like their genetics of the pre-Hispanic civilizations, and also of colonial, like er- early colonial period individuals. I'm very interested in understanding this transition from pre-Hispanic to colonial times to present day. So I was looking at the genomes of like human genomes. Yeah. So Axel, what got you interested in this research? So I wanted to work with viruses, uh, but the situation of virology in Mexico, it's not the same than uh, at the USA. So basically, uh, I started to find like uh, virology projects, and this is uh, the closest one that I that I found. Even though I was not working with uh, any virus per se, uh, it involved viral genomics, and this is how I met Daniel Blanco, uh, who was uh, in this uh, amazing virology department in, in New York. Uh, that eventually I joined uh, for doing my PhD. Yeah, so it's sort of a it's a combination of human genome and virology i guess it's a cross-disciplinary team that worked on this yeah it's actually this project actually involved a lot of uh areas we also work very closely with archaeologists and historians uh because again these uh samples were coming from archaeological remains so understanding the context of these uh samples it's also very important uh, for this project and what i wanted to say was that we um axel approached me and he said he was interested in viruses. And I said, like, I had nothing on viruses. And he insisted so much that I said, okay, we, we, can, we can try to look for viruses. But to be honest, I was very skeptical. And I never thought we would recover anything. So what, why were you so skeptical of being able to get viruses out of, this, out of the samples? Well, at that time, and that was a long time ago, um, well, four years ago, there were not many papers. Actually, I can't recall a single paper back 
when the project just started that had published viral ancient viral DNA. Wow. Yeah, I think there were a couple of uh, studies that uh, work with ancient uh, viral DNA from mummies, uh, but it was like uh, the question was like, are we going to be able to recover it from bones? And also it's important because uh, this kind of studies has been uh, done in Europe. So basically I performed this in Latin America. It was also like a big goal. Uh, and I think that we're like the very first group in Latin America to do this kind of studies. Wow, that's that's super exciting. And I think um, right now, obviously, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. And I think people are maybe even outside of virology interested in it, interested in viruses and how they travel around the world um, because we've seen that happen in real time right now. So do you think that there's anything that we can learn about what we're currently experiencing from looking at this? Yeah. So I think one one important message is that viruses have been moving along with humans for like all our evolutionary history and even intercontinentally for the last at least 500 years. That's what we're showing, right? This is not uh, new. There have been massive epidemics as well, I would say, especially in the last 500 years because of these new interactions between populations that had never seen each other uh, before. So these new contacts uh, gave rise to to epidemics, as in the case of New Spain. And I think we can try to understand better what made these diseases so, these new diseases so lethal and try to learn from that and also think prospectively, like what are there things we can learn from these to prevent this in the future? So it's more speculative at this stage, but I really think if we can understand this new epidemics happening in the past, we can maybe think of ways to to be smarter in the future. Yeah, Axel, what do you, um, are there, is there anything that as, you know, you started this researcher came to Maria saying like, let's look at viruses like four years ago before anyone thought of the global pandemic that we're in now, like, you know, what are you thinking about now as everyone is focused on learning about viruses? <laughs> Uh, so probably, uh, the problem is that working with ancient DNA, it's uh, very difficult, as we mentioned, because of the conditions of, of these samples. But I think that it's a very interesting uh, topic in the sense that uh, right now we're trying to understand how the introduction of these new pathogens into uh, never exposed population like uh, it, it, that are immunologically naive uh, to these pathogens. But in previous times, probably the signal will be clearer in terms of populations because the population were not so admixed. Like right now, if we search for um, genetic uh, signals or immune uh, mechanisms, probably it's going to have a lot of background of all this uh, combination of populations, let's say in the USA or in Mexico. But during this uh, colonial period, probably the people were... uh, uh, in different populations still, like Africans or Native Americans or even Europeans. So probably it will be uh, easier to understand these kind of mechanisms in this uh, uh, kind of population that are not still admixed. Uh, also, in a more humanistic way, I would like to add, uh, 
that uh, we, we, we can still learn about this. Like uh, there's historical records that suggested that smallpox was introduced to Mexico uh, after an African individual. And it uh, caused uh, some kind of segregation of African uh, people in, in Mexico because uh, they were believed as uh, the people that introduced uh, uh, these pathogens, like these uh, biological weapons that kill uh, uh, Native Americans. So I think it's important uh, that we don't blame the victims uh, because uh, th- this uh, pattern was not due for because of the African communities. Instead, it was because of the uh, unhealthy and cruel conditions that the uh, the people uh, were uh, forcing Africans to come to the Americas. Uh, that we can compare it actually with uh, what happened with all these Asian communities uh, with this new coronavirus outbreak. Yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting that you bring that up because I think especially... In the U.S., I don't know in um, Mexico so much, but there was a lot of you know xenophobia of blaming Chinese Americans for bringing the virus here, rather than you know thinking about the virus holistically. It was a lot of individual anger, you know, as especially as this unfurled. Yeah, and we tried to make that point in our paper. It, it uh, there is a section on the paper that we kind of discuss that explicitly and say we should be aware that uh, we cannot say, we cannot draw from this study that Africans brought pathogens to to New Spain, right? Right. What we say is that uh, they were a a population who was forcibly taken from their homelands to a new place under very unhealthy, brutal, cruel conditions, and also that after uh, their arrival to, to this new territory, they also encounter a population that was being displaced, uh, massacred. Um, all these factors kind of cause this uh, uh, or favor the spread of diseases and the lethality of the diseases. So I would say we can, we can still say, yes, that European colonizers brought these diseases, we're just learning the origins of these diseases now, uh, but definitely we 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 avoid by all means the message that Africans brought these diseases to to New Spain. Yeah, I think that's a um, that's a really important point to keep in mind, and I'm glad that you highlighted that. So, Axel, I want to ask you, um, as we'd mentioned in the intro, you just started at the Icon School of Medicine with a PhD. Congratulations. What are you looking to research? What are the questions that maybe were brought up from this study um, or new things that you're, you want to look at in the field of virology? So for the moment, I'm just uh, rotating and I'm trying to find like a, like a project, but I, I would like to work uh, uh, as well with like host uh, pathogen interactions uh, related to like uh, emerging viruses. And definitely, I want to continue uh, hunting for viruses. So that's what I'm like talking with some people uh, at the Icon School of Medicine. Uh, yeah, I'm interested in, in finding new viruses. And at the same time, uh, I would like to continue uh, searching for ancient pathogens uh, in Mexico. So Maria, for you, what did this, you said before you got involved in this project, you'd never done paleovirology. You were mostly looking at the human genome. What kind of questions has this research, you know, brought up for you? Are you going to keep looking for viruses? What are, what, what are your next research projects look like? Yes, I definitely am interested in pathogens. Uh, 
not only viruses but also bacterial pathogens particularly in this period in time uh, like early colonial days and um, as Axel mentioned earlier there is this huge gap that uh, are RNA viruses so the next steps uh, that I want to take still in collaboration with Daniel Blanco and um, Axel if he's <laughs> available uh, is to try to hunt these ancient RNA viruses using new approaches. All right. Well, this all sounds really exciting, and I look forward to um, upcoming research from the both of you. Maria and Axel, thank you so much for sharing your research with us and taking the time to be interviewed today. Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank you very much, Shoshana. It was a pleasure. So I've just been speaking with Maria Avila Arcos, Uh, She's an assistant professor and principal investigator at the International Laboratory for Human Genome Research at the Universidad Nacional Autonomía de Mexico, and Axel Guzman Solis. He is a former student there at the International Laboratory for Human Genome Research, and he is currently a PhD student at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai in New York. Their most recent research was recently published in the journal eLife, and thanks again to both of you, and good thank luck you. on your future research. Thank you, Shoshana, and thank you for everyone listening. Undisciplined is a production of Utah Public Radio with support from the College of Humanities and Social Sciences at Utah State University. And if you happen to live in Utah, you can listen to us every Thursday at 10.30 a.m. on UPR. If you miss us then, you can listen to every episode of Undisciplined wherever you get your podcast. Our producer is Claire Scott, and our theme music is Little Idea by Benjamin Tissot. And I'm Shoshana Buxbaum. Thanks for listening. Now go have big ideas. Thank you.